Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Hello and welcome to Compliance Clarified, a podcast for risk and compliance professionals from Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Each week, we discuss news stories and topical issues with our journalists and analysts in the United States, Europe, Asia and Australia. My name is Alexander Robson, Managing Editor of Regulatory Intelligence here in London, and joining me today is Rachel Walcott, Senior Editor in London. Welcome, Rachel. Thanks for having me, Alex. To kick off the first episode of Season 8, we are going to discuss money laundering. In the UK, the post office and the story behind the final notice given to Santander last December, in which the bank was fined more than £107 million. Anti-money laundering control failings at Santander opened the door to a financial intermediary with links to Colombian drug cartels operating in Britain. Beltcastle, a payments service provider, is customer A featured in the Financial Conduct Authority's final notice of December 2022 to illustrate the failures behind Santander's fine. Beltcastle was authorised by the UK regulator for eight years and it is estimated to have put £1.3 billion in cash through the post office. It also had accounts at other UK banks. Rachel, you've spent months researching this and there's a lot to unpack here. Perhaps the best place to start is to recap on December's final notice and tell us what wasn't in it. Hi, Alex. Yeah, the final notice on Santander's uh, financial crime systems and control failures in business banking highlighted many shortcomings. Client onboarding, adverse media, transaction monitoring, as well as the serious internal communications and organizational issues that meant even if problems were escalated, problem clients were not monitored, and red flags were not acted upon. The example the FCA uses to illustrate these failures in the final notice as you said, was the so-called customer A, which in our reporting, we revealed to be Beltcastle Limited. Uh, The final notice describes Beltcastle as a money service business, but it is alleged to be a laundering service for Colombian cartels. It looks like it was a firm that could get access to the banking system and then use that access allegedly to hoover up dirty money, which it deposited to the tune of $269 million into its Santander account. The firm had accounts at Barclays, NatWest, and Ghana International Bank too. All of those firms have been fined for anti-money laundering systems and control failures. NatWest uh, was a subject to a criminal prosecution for anti-money laundering failures. But the Beltcastle link wasn't mentioned in any of the FCA final notices on these banks. And that's sort of important, and we'll talk about that later. But in terms of the post office, it was used in the suspected laundering scheme, passing thousands of pounds regularly from Beltcastle uh, into the post office's cash collection and processing service. Beltcastle had a contract with the post office which allowed it to have the post office's armored vehicles pick up cash and remittances from its clients and then bring that back to the post office, 
have it deposited into the Bellcastle's various accounts. And I mean, this was a lot of money. Like you said, about $1.3 billion. Nobody at the post office raised a suspicious activity report. And what else did he find out? Well, it turns out this was also not in the final notice that there was a whistleblower in this case about the time the FCA investigation was into uh, Santander was ongoing. This person raised issues in the retail bank, which includes business banking. Some of the disclosures overlap with issues highlighted in the final notice, like transaction monitoring issues, but there were other concerns, particularly around transactions by specially designated nationals, i.e. sanctions violations by individuals linked to Iran and linked to uh, sanctioned groups in Iran. It's not clear whether these claims were passed on to the FCA and investigated Um, They're certainly not mentioned in the final notice, as I said, and the FCA declined to comment on this point for the article. And what about um, adverse media searches? There was quite a lot of adverse media available on Bellcastle. Of course, I had the benefit of hindsight when I was looking for information, and it seemed incredibly easy to find. You just put the names in the search engine, stuff starts coming up. Um, so what I did was I went to Castle's company's house entry and started doing web searches on directors' names. And when I did this, I quickly found that two of them had gone to jail for money laundering in the UK. And another two were subject to offshore alerts. So th- these alerts were about uh, U.S. authorities wanting uh, information for British authorities about certain individuals. Uh, related to the laundering of proceeds of crime linked to Colombian uh, drug cartels. And the FCA brings up adverse media in the final notice to say Santander saw some information. I believe it was an offshore alert on Lubin Cuenza Reyes, but it did not pick up on the news reports about the other former directors. And even though Santander saw this Uh, offshore alert, the person who was looking at it didn't have access to the whole thing. So presumably didn't bother to try to get that access. But then they also decided that the offshore alert was a little too old and they discounted it. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of US politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. So what lessons are there here uh, about information sharing? There was a Metropolitan Police investigation into Beltcastle and other money service businesses called Operation Stormhold, and this is something we talk about in the article. Now, that operation started in 2015, but the concerns about Beltcastle and uh, presumably other MSBs wasn't raised at the 
which was then new, this it, the Joint Money Laundering Information Task Force, or JIMLIT, until 2016. So there's a gap between this investigation starting, concern, the police having concerns, and the police telling anybody about it. Um, but as I said when we were talking about Appers Media, Beltcastle was a known entity for at least a decade, and yet it still managed to operate and obtain bank accounts. Uh, so this tells you that even if it was closed down somewhere, off-boarded, this information wasn't being passed on. And even after uh, the, our story was published at the end of uh, April, banks were then kind of having a fire drill on Beltcastle to see if they had any Beltcastle exposure, if any people associated with the firm were its customers. Uh, one of the former directors is a director of another FCA authorized payment firm. So even within the regulator, there isn't enough checking and joining of the dots. The Economic Crime and Transparency Bill is going through Parliament. What stage is this at now? It seems there's still a long way to go. Yeah. The bill, which started its journey through Parliament last year, is in the House of Lords now at the report stage. I just checked this. So it will be a while before it gains royal assent and even longer before any of the changes it sets out are implemented. And we've uh, talked about the Economic Crime and Corporate Transparency Bill uh, in previous episodes, and we can link to those in the show notes so people can find out what, what that's all about. But as we've mentioned in previous episodes, it's already deemed to be a compromise, the, the bill doesn't go far enough to tackle the issues raised by the Beltcastle example. Beltcastle directors already have other companies registered in the UK on the corporate register under their own names. And I'm not sure there's anything in this bill that is going to make a difference to criminals set on abusing the UK corporate register and the banking system especially as the government is inviting in crypto, which a lot of criminals are now seeking or just plain old exploiting. Well, one stated aim of the UK's economic crime strategy is reform of its corporate registry, Companies House. But that too has faced uh, recent problems. What can you tell us here? Ah, yes, I did a piece on this last week. Uh, Company's house is set to get a big investment that already has had some new money to transform its IT system. So, and some of the other processes it has internally to stop pe criminals abusing it, i.e., setting up companies that are then used for fraudulent and uh, other financial crime purposes. But Company's else, house itself has had some issues with operational resilience. Um, stuff like uh, the roof in part of its Cardiff office is at risk of collapse. They had to close down part of the building, which as I understand is a repository for um, certain information documents. The uh, They're trying to figure out what to do about that. 
all of the documents and um, information stored in this repository has been moved out into other, another part of the building. Um, Cummings House did not have a backup postal provider uh, in place, so that's something that would have come up in a, an operational risk or operational resilience review. And that became an issue when the Royal Mail was uh, subject to a ransomware attack earlier this year. That meant it couldn't send out any international post at all. Companies House said that it wasn't a big issue because it doesn't send out a lot of international post and that it was looking at some uh, alternatives to send stuff out electronically. But again, that's technically an operational resilience failure. And it's had some issues replacing legacy code in its systems. And that, according to its annual report, has set back some of its change program. But perhaps the biggest problem uh, is that it doesn't employ any risk managers. And like I said, this is at a time when it's getting a big investment um, for what is going to be a tricky IT transformation program. So it should be interesting. Well, by the time we would have been in the new public domain, the Treasury Committee uh, will have published a report on crypto regulation. So that's certainly uh, something for listeners to, uh, to, look, to look out for. Uh, Rachel, thank you for your thoughts today. Uh, let's leave it there. Thank you. That's it for this week's Compliance Clarified. Your feedback is important to us, so please give us a rating on your podcasting platform of choice. Or you can get in touch directly. Our contact details are in the show notes. Compliance Clarified. A podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.